Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge podcast. This week, our guest is Julie Naraki, a math teacher from Idaho Falls, and the only teacher on state superintendent-elect Debbie Critchfield's transition team, which will assist in hiring or retaining about 130 staffers at the State Department of Education, revising the K-12 budget, and shaping policies. So Julie, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. So let's just start out. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself professionally and personally? Um, Well, so I've been teaching um, for about 17 years uh, in the state of Idaho, but I I actually started out as an engineer. So um, I grew up in Florida. Um, I went to school there. I was an electrical engineer and um, my family moved out here about 21 years ago. Uh, My husband is also an engineer and he worked for the Idaho National Lab for a while. Um, I stayed home with my kids when they were little and decided to, to go back into the workforce um, when my youngest child was three. I have three kids. Um, and I just kind of stumbled into teaching. I had always taught um, a class or two at, um, at college, college calculus, um, as I kind of moved around. But um, I, I worked with my kids in their, their classrooms and volunteered. And I stumbled into teaching at the local high school here. Um, they needed a sub for somebody out on leave and I could teach the math. Um, so I walked into Idaho Falls High School back in 2003 and never left. That was that was it. Um, I've been I've been with our district. I did our family moved back to Florida for a year, but other than that, I just fell in love with teaching. I went back and got my Master of Education from Idaho State University in Secondary Mathematics, um, and I've been at Skyline High School now um, since 2008. Um, so um, professionally speaking, I I think I just try to teach math to children. That's kind of kind of where I am. Um, I'm also um, on my second year as the local president of our um, association for teachers here in Idaho Falls. Um, so I kind of have a, a little bit of a different experience with education because I kind of come from, from an engineering background. Um, and so, you know, I, I think you hear this a lot, but teachers don't ever teach for the money because there isn't much in it. I truly teach for my students. I, I want them to succeed and grow. So that's kind of where where we're at there. Um, personally, I have three children. They all went through the public school system here in Idaho. My oldest um, earned his master's degree in electrical engineering and works in the state of Washington, just outside of Seattle. Um, my youngest will graduate this year from the University of Tampa as a nursing student. Um, and she is um, on a full ride ROTC scholarship. So she'll spend four years as an army nurse. And my middle son will graduate this year with his BSRN from Idaho State University. So all three of my kids went through public schools in Idaho. Um, I'm a huge proponent for education, public education in the state of Idaho. How did tell us a little bit about coming to be on the transition team? How did you find out you were going to be on it? Um, well, Debbie actually um, emailed me um, and texted me just probably just before the election was final, and then again after, and just asked if I would consider being part of her transition team. Um, she didn't tell me a lot about it. She said she promised it wouldn't pull me out of the classroom too much. Um, and, and I, I agreed, I honestly had no idea I would be the only teacher. Um, and you know, we do have a representative on the the team that 
was a teacher in the past. So we definitely have a lot of pro-education people on, on her team. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm honored to be a teacher on the team. I just didn't know I was going to be the only one. So did you know Debbie beforehand? Like, did you know her personally? Well, so I spent um, several days last year um, at the Capitol. Um, we were, our, our local teachers here, we were uh, pushing for some um, state, state insurance. So we talked a lot about that. We were pushing for um, funding for all day kindergarten for our students. Um, we went over and lobbied against a, a few bills that were concerning to us. So while I was over there, um, I was introduced to Ms. Critchfield um, by some IEA staff. So that's our Idaho Education Association. Matt Compton, who's our um, assistant executive director, introduced me to her. Um, and one of the reasons he introduced me was we were sitting up in the balcony of the, the house floor, and there's not a lot of people up there. And every time we went into session, you know, she was there. Um, and so he said, oh, you know, I want, I want you to meet her. And we had some pretty fantastic conversations that day. And then um, the second time we were over there, um, another one of our colleagues introduced us again, and and we talked. I think one of one of the things that um, I liked the most, and you know, keep in mind during the pandemic, you know, you you got to watch a lot and see a lot of different Zoom calls, and and so I watched her a lot with the Board of Education, but um, she she was very student centric in everything that she talked about she was putting students first. And that's one of the, the main focuses that, that I take um, in just about everything that I do. It, it, everything needs to be student-centric. Student and so I really appreciated that in all of her conversations. She was interested in actually listening to parents, the community, the teachers, and the students, um, but her focus was student-centric. And so I really liked the way she did that. Okay. So why do you think she picked you? Was it those conversations at the Capitol that had her thinking this would be a great person on my team? Or what do you think? Well, and I, I did um, when she was running and it actually before anybody other than the, the current um, superintendent had put their name in the hat. So it was just the two of them. I, I asked her to come over and meet with some of our teachers. And so we kind of had an open house um, at our, our high school here in town. And a lot of the teachers came out and asked questions and, and we asked some really hard questions of her. And it's, it's one of those situations where it's not always the right answer, but we just kind of, we wanted to know where she sat. And, and we did, we had some good conversations there as well. So I, I would like to think that she and I see things very similarly that, you know, schools operate the way that they operate only if everybody can come together. And so um, being able to recognize parent input, community input, teacher input, and student input is, is an important thing. And so I, I would like to think that she picked me because we kind of have that in common. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thanks for that background. Um, so tell us a little bit about transition teams. What is your role exactly and how long will you serve in this position? Well, our first meeting is tomorrow. <laughs> so I will I will definitely know a lot more tomorrow. 
Um, but our, our first, in our first meeting, one of the things that we are going to um, talk about is different um, budget commit, different committees. And she's put me on the budget committee, the school budget committee. So we're going to meet tomorrow as a whole group. And it, it's kind of a hybrid meeting because, you know, some of us will be at the Capitol. I'll be in my classroom. So, um, but one of the things, you know, they're going to talk about is, um, you know, what, what it is that she discussed um, for her campaign promises, you know, um, she's got financial literacy. She was pretty big on um, career and technical education support programs. Um, she's got some parental support and engagement, increased flexibility in school budgets, um, and then some different regional supports uh, for schools, classified staff support, which is always a big one for us. Um, and then kind of a culture piece to that. You know, how do we how do we bring everybody together um, in that in her position? Uh, so we're going to do a little bit of, of overview on those things. It looks like, um, and then she's going to break us into different budget, different um, sorry, different committees. My my assignment is budget, so that's kind of what I've been looking at. Um, and then I think each of those committees will meet separately. She talked about the fact that it would only be three or four different meetings, kind of um, just kind of an oversight advisory group. So I don't really see it being very long term, just trying to make sure that that the transition is is smooth and in the best interest of of education. Mm -hmm. So since you're going to be on the budget team, do you have any ideas about what you want to advocate for? Um. Well, school budgets are really, they're really kind of difficult. Um, I, I would tell you that one of my, my biggest concerns with school budget has to do with, um, with support staff. So, um, our students need support staff to be successful. And, and right now, we have our largest vacancies in schools are for our paraprofessionals, our custodial staff, our kitchen workers. Um, and you know, those are the backgrounds, the, the backbones of our schools. Without those people, our schools don't run. Um, and unfortunately, it there are a lot more appealing jobs out there that pay more. So, um, you know, I was really glad to see that there's um, some some classified staffing supports um, kind of on her campaign promise sheet because I think that's one place that that we need to look at when we talk about school budgets. Um, I think making sure that our students receive the services that they need so that the budgets for those programs, budgets for programs that help our students is really where we need to focus. So. Um, I think for me, if I had to prioritize, it would be student services um, and classified staff. Mm -hmm. But I, I think she she's thinking more like um, with flexibility as well. You know, everything that we get from the state is like, here's this pot of money and it can only be spent here and here's a pot of money. Um, and and every school has has a different need. And Idaho is so diverse that way. You know, we have. We have big city schools and we have very, very rural schools and, and the needs are vastly different all over. So. 
So you said that you would look into possibly allocating more funds so that support staff could have higher wages. And then the other thing you said was student services. What do you mean by that? Well, basically anything that anything that directly relates to to student success. So um, if there are programs that students need, um, if, if there are curriculums that students need, if there are, when we talk about services, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's smaller class size that serves a student um, for certain reasons. Sometimes it's special programs, you know, um, do we have programs that meet the needs of every student that we have? A lot of times when we hit budget cuts, we have to remove things. Sometimes sometimes the programs we remove are, are high level programs. Sometimes they are support programs. But but basically, you know, if our goal really is to prepare every student for whatever comes next, whether that's college or career or technical, do we have money for those programs to make students successful? Because, you know, not every student's gonna go to college. Um, but boy, we have some amazing career technical programs, um, and I, I'd like to see those grow. Um, we have some, some great um, programs that we work with um, between the Idaho National Lab and, and different programs that are kind of like pipelines to feed some of those STEM programs. Um, and, and we just need to be able to let every child know that those programs are out there, that they're available, and make sure everybody has that same access to them. Um, so, you know, of course, a student who lives in Idaho Falls has access to CEI, but what about a student that's in a rural area and, and how can we how can we make those programs and services available to them as well? So why do you think it's important to have a teacher on this team? And as the only active teacher on the team, um, how do you think teachers want and need to be represented? Well, I think that, you know, the teacher voice is, is important. Um, an educator is in the trenches with those students every day. Nobody knows what happens inside of a classroom better than a teacher does. A lot of people often think that they know what's going on. Um, but, you know, until you really sit in a classroom with kids all day long, it, it's hard. Um, my role as the president of, of our local association is unique in the sense that I get to hear from hundreds of teachers, um, sometimes on a daily basis. So I, I am privy to a lot of the issues and concerns. Um, and I teach secondary math. So most of my courses are college level courses. So Calc 1 and Calc 2, college trick pre-Calc. My students are unique in that sense. You know, they're driven, they wanna be here. Um, they have very high achieving goals. Um, and I also teach an algebra class to freshmen, which is which is good for me. I, I kind of like to see, you know, both ends of that age gap there. Um, but what I hear a lot, um, elementary school teachers having trouble with behaviors, um, kids who don't quite know how to handle the the structured environment um, coming off of COVID, I think that's been hard for some kids. Um, you know, I, I, I deal with kids that are grown, they're almost adults, um, but when you hear about a five-year-old child who's heaving a desk across a room, um, you start to, to look at things a little bit different. So um, we, have, we have students across the board that have different needs. Um, we've got some schools where kids come to school in the morning 
and um, and they haven't eaten since they left school the night before, you know, and kids can't learn if they don't have those basic needs met. So um, I think that I think that I have um, I have the ear of a lot of teachers. So a lot of teachers will share with me the things that they need, things that they want. Um, I, I speak to legislators a lot about different needs um, for our school systems and things like that. So I'm hoping that even though I'm the only teacher here uh, on this committee, um, that I can bring forward the voices of a lot of my colleagues um, with, with their concerns and education and their struggles. Absolutely. So apart from the transition team, if we just kind of take a look ahead at Critchfield's upcoming four-year term, what do you hope she'll change? And what, if anything, do you hope she'll keep the same in terms of Idaho education? Um, <laughs> boy, that's a loaded question. Let's see. I think um, one of the biggest changes that I see coming from her office um, that I hope to see is more of um, almost a collaborative nature in how how the department is run, how how things are overseen. So um, just my my feel of you know after meeting with her and talking with her and working with her a little bit is is that she is very open to listening to everybody, and I think that that is so important because if you can listen to parents and you can listen to teachers um, and and you can listen to the community work with businesses figure out what everybody wants so the businesses can tell you what they need from their from their students what what do the students need to come out with um, the schools she, secondary schools she's visited secondary schools she's visited post-secondary schools she's talking to the kids She's talking to the community. She's talking to the parents. So it's like this perfect trifecta of trying to bring the teachers and the parents and the communities together to kind of reinvent what education in Idaho looks like. We, we are at the bottom and, and that is a disservice to our children. Our students are amazing. They're going to do amazing things. Um, and we need to do better by them. And so I feel that her vision is, is more of how can we come at this together? Um, I I think one of the the changes that you're going to see um, is that she's visible. I mean, it, it's one of the things that I noticed right away. She was she was in in those hearings, sitting in the hearings, taking things in. She was on, you know, up, upstairs during the house floor meetings during the senate meetings she wants to know what's going on she wants to be involved she's asking people their opinions um she's listening so even if it's it's just a visibility thing she's approachable um and i think she truly cares about education so i think that what we're going to see and, and i don't mean to say that that anybody that's held the office in the past didn't care about education, but I think what we're going to see is that she she genuinely wants what is best for Idaho's education and Idaho students, and she is student centric. So, um, bringing in all of the stakeholders to make that happen is what I see. Especially when I look at that transition team, she really is trying to bring in parents, legislators. Uh, 
teachers, you know, she really does. She's got some business people on there. She really does want to bring everybody together. Um, as far as what I hope doesn't change, I feel like we are on a path moving forward. Um, we've got some funding coming to us finally that, that we haven't seen in a while. Um, we have been able to um, offer that state insurance at some at some school districts, our district is one of them. In order, in order to have the best education and for our students, we have to be able to attract and retain quality educators. So some of those benefits are important. Um, some people will teach in Idaho because they love Idaho um, and they love Idaho students, and this is their home. But you know, we do have a shortage of teachers. So if we want to bring teachers in and we want to retain quality educators. We've got to be able to give them something and so um, being able to fund fund programs being able to build schools being able um, you know just being able to to make a, an educator feel supported um, i think that we're going to see that continue um, and move forward with her so okay thank you so you mentioned earlier the pandemic and its impact on kids. So I just want to kind of come back to the classroom level with you. How, how are things going now as a math teacher? Do you feel like the kids are starting to catch back up? Um, I, I think they are starting to catch back up, but it, it's a pretty steep hill. So, um, you know, and it's kind of interesting just because I, I do have some of the, the high level kids and, and I'll hear them say things along the lines of, you know, wow, that, that was a long homework assignment, you know, 20, 25 minutes. And I look at, you know, my, my, la my lesson plans from before COVID and, um, and I was giving two to three times the amount of work. Um, and part of it is just, you know, it, some of it's skill, um, skill level, they've got some holes that need to fill but a lot of it is is almost just um, it's almost like an apathy, you know. I, I get my work done during this time, but when I when I leave school, you know, I don't want to have to work on the school, and um, and so it, it's almost like we've been retraining them to come back into the classroom. So you know, when when they left in 2020 and they came back for the um, 2021 school year. It wasn't a normal year in most places. For us, we did a hybrid for a little while and then kind of went to a four-day week, um, but it, it still wasn't their five-day normal. And, and um, you know, some of the kids, we, last I think it was last year's seniors, we said, you know, the last time that they had a normal, you know, normal year was, was their eighth grade year. So the whole time they were in high school, it wasn't really a, a normal year for them. And so... I think we're seeing their skill levels catch up. I think um, I think we're trying to get them back into to habits um, that are school related um, and kind of time organization and 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 hopefully hopefully what we see is we can see more kids going on to whatever it is, whether it's college or certification programs or community college. And, and being successful, we we have seen quite a few, you know, I'm gonna take a year off or I'm gonna go back later or I tried it, but I didn't like it no matter what it is. And 
And um, I think we're going to start to see that change a little bit. Um, but we do, you know, if you kind of take it back down to the littles, because I, I don't teach the smaller ones, but my elementary school teachers, you know, they're having they're having huge behavioral problems in their classrooms. And a lot of that comes from, from that pandemic time where kids were isolated for so long um, and their social interactions, their social skills just aren't there. And I think we see some of that at every level. They just, um, they missed out on a couple of years of really learning how to handle their emotions and handle frustrations and, and deal with successes and failures. Um, and, and there was a lot of just passing things off, you know, well, you came, you attended, we're going to give you a passing grade. Um, so we're trying to get back to that point, it's, but it's going to be a while. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we are about ready to move into the lightning round. Before we do, is there anything else you want to add about being on the transition team? Um. No, I, you know, I'm just, I'm really honored to be on it. I hope that I am able to um, represent all of the teachers as, as best as I can. Um, but also I hope that I am really able to represent the students because that's, that's always my main goal. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. So for this next section, I'll be asking you three questions in a row. I ask them of every teacher guest I have on the show. And you'll just quickly respond, just like a one to two minute response. So question one, what's your favorite part about being a teacher? Um, I think my favorite part about being a teacher is watching the kids progress through through our high school and graduate. Um, so I, I know you can kind of see, but behind me, I have thousands of graduation announcements. Um, and it is it is just my pride and joy is watching those kids graduate, succeed, um, and and watching them just grow into to citizens and, and adults, and, and I just love it. Awesome. All right, question two, what has being a teacher taught you? What has been its greatest lesson? Um, I think that being a teacher has taught me that we absolutely have no idea what anybody's story is, and so, um, I'll get emotional, but every single kid comes to us wanting to belong and wanting to learn. And it is our job to make sure that that happens. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that's so true. All right. Last question. What advice would you give a brand new first year teacher? I think that my my biggest piece of advice that I give to anybody that um, is new to teaching is to make sure that they set up a very strong boundary between um, work life and home life because we give so much every day to our students um, and every one of our students takes a piece of us and we bring a piece of them home. Um, but we can never get back the time with our own families. So as much as we love our kids at school and we work with them every day, um, it is important to make sure that you take care of yourself and you take care of your family. Um, and sometimes that means that 
papers sit until tomorrow and you can grade them then. But, um, you know, our, our students get a ton of us. We need to make sure we save some for ourselves and our family. Absolutely. That is wisdom that comes from 17 years of being a teacher. So thanks, Julie, for your time and for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Teacher's Lounge podcast. And don't forget to go to idahoeducationnews.org for all the latest. Have a great week.